This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, awesome, wonderful, super cool, but not extra co-host, Monica. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, everyone. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for the very nice intro. And the uh, spoiler already in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what I do, you know, spoil things. And stuff. <laughs> My superpower. <laughs> Do you though? I don't. I don't know. Apparently. Well, now it's you like, did. I've done it in two episodes now. You Let did? the cat out of the bag, like really early that we were recording episode twenty-five, and now calling you not extra. Well, it depends how intuitive you are, whether you think that's a spoiler or not. Probably, but that's very woo territory now. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Or should I say, woo? <laughs> so how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, well, good in the hood. I, well, I finished Super Mario Odyssey. That's fun. Though I'm not sure if defeating Bowser means finish it because I unlocked a new kingdom and now maybe I'm wondering if it's still not over. It doesn't sound like it's over. No, it doesn't sound like it's over. I agree. But it was a bit interesting because it was all about a, an unwanted wedding. Oh. <laughs> it had some, it felt a bit wrong, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but at least in the end, well, I can't, I won't say what happened because that's then definitely a spoiler. That is definitely a spoiler and not the type of spoiler we're having on this episode. No, we're not the type of spoiler we're having on this episode, I agree. No. So I played a new board game last night. Ooh! It was, well, it wasn't a board game, but it was a card game, mm -hmm. which is my favorite kind of board game, really. And it was called The Resistance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it was definitely kind of Star Wars themed because you were either like Team Blue, which is the resistance against the the evil powers that be the government or team red. And you were trying to overthrow the resistance. And it was a game of like lying and picking teams and trying to like figure out who team red was because they want you to think that they're team blue, but they're trying to overthrow the resistance. It was quite cool. It's hard to explain, but if you get a chance, I would definitely say check it out. So nobody basically, it's a card game and nobody knows who the other person is and you have to find out which is, who is with what and stuff. Yeah. It sounds a bit like werewolves, but well, not with the werewolves part, but. Yes, kind of. We actually played it um, right after we played werewolf. Oh, nice. And so it, there was definitely some similar elements to it. It was, many, it was really cool. How many people are you? We were eight last night. Um, okay. It was for a friend of mine's birthday. Okay, that explains how you could have played werewolves because that, I think, starts at six or eight or something. I, I don't have a clue how many that starts with, actually. I know that I bought the cards and we could never play it because we're never enough people. Oh, <laughs> so that's, I, that's sad. That's one of my sad. favorite games. Yeah, I'm really, I, only, I could only play it once with someone else at someone else's birthday party and I was like this is so amazing I want to have it and now I have it but I've never played it for years uh, well come over and in time for this Friday which is actually today because we're releasing this podcast on Friday because we're having a games night for my birthday and we're probably going to play werewolf <laughs> so just get a ticket fly over and be there for it okay. I think that's totally reasonable it's totally reasonable only for werewolves, not for your birthday, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, they could go hand in hand. We have enough space. Even with two friends coming over for the week, we have an extra room for you. I am in it right now. <laughs> I'm in it right now. <laughs> I, am, I am sitting in it. it this could be you. <laughs> Next Friday, this could be you. <laughs> but seriously, like, you should totally come over. 
That would be amazing. So, Monica, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about something that's hopefully going to make you very, very happy. And we might have given it away last week as well. We're talking about Unicorn Store. Yay! Yay! And why do we talk about Unicorn Store? Because, well, it's starring Brie Larson, directed by Brie Larson, has Samuel L. Jackson in it, and is the best thing that's come to Netflix on April 5th of this year. Make April 5th great again. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. And I love how you said, it's the best thing that came out on April 5th. <laughs> We've already heard in the last episode that your excitement is a tad higher than mine. But just a bit. Just a bit. So background information on the movie and maybe Brie Larson, because we haven't talked about the person that is Brie Larson, have we? Not really. And the more you look into her and the more you research and the more you read about her background, she is really, really cool. She's really, really qualified. And she has done so much in her young years. I just wanted to say that. And she's younger than we are. And that's devastating and depressing. <laughs> so she's born in October the 1st, 89. That was like the weirdest way of saying someone's birthday, but you get the gist. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> but, but yeah, maybe it makes sense in German, but I don't even remember how I said it now, so I can't even defend myself. <laughs> when in doubt, say it's a language thing. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, I thought she was, she was Scandinavian before. Uh, but then I figured out she's not at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> her stage name is Brie Larson, but her name is actually Brienne Sidonie. And now I'm screwed. Desaulnier? <laughs> Fuck knows. I'll, I'll come in here and give you a little bit of help. It's Brienne Sidonie Desaulnier. Okay, thanks. That's You're sounds... welcome. Hashtag Canadian. Ah... I mean, I did have French in school, but that was like very many moons ago. <laughs> and she is indeed American. Actually, she's from California. And she was homeschooled. Like Felicia Day. Yeah. Seems like a lot of the really cool geeky women out there right now are homes were homeschooled. I don't know. Maybe. What did you know her from before Captain Marvel? Um... I'm not going to lie, I didn't. Great, because I did either. I did neither. <laughs> um, it's funny, though, because going back and, and looking through some of the films that she has been in, I've seen a load of them, but I don't really remember her. You have? Yes. I do recall when I looked at her filmography, I have a pretty language problem today again, but when I look through all the movies that she made... I feel like I, like she played in Kong and I had no idea. And I didn't yeah. even watch that movie. No, I didn't see Kong. Um, but I don't know much about, or I haven't seen like much of the King Kong. Um, but she was in Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and I've seen that. She was in Community, which is one of the best shows ever, ever, ever. And she was in three episodes. So she was like a recurring character. Hmm. She was in 21 Jump Street, which coincidentally we also mentioned last week. <laughs> she was in The League, which is also a really funny TV show about fantasy football. Um, she was in low, like 36 episodes of United States of Terra, which I haven't seen, but, you know, that's a long-running TV show that she was in. Plus, like, she was in loads in the early 2000s. So she's been, been around, and she's been in a lot of, of things, especially some kind of bigger name films, even maybe not as a big role. She has singles out as primary artists, albums, hmm. and it says singles. Hmm. Weird. We have to figure that out if she's actually singing as well. Yeah, well, it says music career from 2001 to 2008. Wow. So, yeah, we'll be looking into that. Oh, she went on tour with Jesse McCartney. That's kind of fun. She did what? She went on tour with Jesse McCartney, who's like a... 
early 2000s teenage heartthrob kind of guy. <laughs> early 2000s teenage heartthrob. <laughs> I wasn't like heartthrobbing about him, but I know that I think probably people younger than us were. Okay. So she's not Scandinavian as I thought. We haven't seen her before, which we now really regret. We've established that. And she's almost 30. <laughs> yeah. And she's been a strong advocate for women's rights and domestic abuse and sexual assault for years. Yeah. Do you remember the, the scandal with Casey Affleck from a few years ago where he was in, behaved inappropriately on a film set back in like 2010 or something? And it was like a pretty big controversy. Mm -hmm, mm -mm. You don't remember? Mm -mm. But it was the same year that that came out. Casey Affleck actually um, won the Best Actor Award at the Academy Awards. And Brie Larson was selected to give him uh, or present the award to him. But in, like when she presented it to him and gave it to him, she didn't clap. And that was kind of like... She's like, I'm doing this because I've been told that I have to do this, but I don't support you. And she she says it like the fact that she didn't clap for him was her own small stand of advocacy against sexual harassment in film. That's great. I don't even recall that dude got an, what did he get a, an Academy Award for? For best actor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Doesn't even look familiar. That's how old I already am. But I, <laughs> I I like it when it's sad sometimes that the position you are in often demands things from you that you can't really deny. So she could have said, I'm not doing it, but that would probably hurt her more instead of doing it. Yeah. And so that's at least a small protest that she could throw in there to, to display that she disapproves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's not the only thing that she's been working towards. Like she's very vocal about, you know, the the gender pay gap in Hollywood. And she's totally against Donald Trump. She takes part in women's uh, women's marches across the U.S. And she, as we all know, and as is still causing some uh, ratings scores uh, differentiation. False, falsehood i don't know uh she spoke out against the lack of diversity in hollywood reporters which is still amazing yes go brie larson so like she is very very vocal about you know inequality issues and sexual harassment sexual assault issues across hollywood but also it just in the united states as a whole I feel this entire Hollywood situation is a big black hole of horror sometimes. So I think there is a lot of sexual issues, harassment and stuff going on that nobody knows about, even post-Weinstein. Yeah. Is that the right name? Post-Weinstein. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always say actresses and actors they have such an easy life and everything is so nice, but I think in some points you just don't really want to trade places with them because yeah, I, I would not want to be an actress right yeah. now yeah or probably ever <laughs> yeah so that's why besides her being the first female superhero Brie Larson is also a pretty damn amazing actual human female superhero <laughs> yeah in actual real life I totally agree about that and when she the funny thing is she wasn't um, the first person to be considered for Unicorn Store, both as an actress and or as a director. <laughs> Which I do find very funny, I have to say. So apparently she did not, she applied for the role, but didn't get it initially. Yeah, that was back in 2012 when there was a male director by the name of Miguel Arteta going to be directing Unicorn Store. Why did he not direct it in the end? I don't know. That's IMDb doesn't tell me that information. That's sad because probably he hasn't he doesn't have the proper magic in him. Yeah. So and she didn't actually even get cast as the role of Kit back in 2012. <laughs> which is it's just kind of funny that you know it, it didn't suit her then. It's like the universe wasn't ready for her to have this role then and now in 2017 when this was recorded and directed they were like 
you know, this is Warbree Larson. And they let her unleash her magic onto the world. Boy, did she unleash her unleash her magic. Yeah. I can't even imagine that that movie could have been directed for by a guy. No. I think it would have had such a different tone, such but, a different yeah. everything. I totally agree. So weird. Mm-hmm. But then guys write female stories all the freaking time anyway. So that's another point why Gobri Larson on directing and starring in the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't even think that it's necessarily a point that, like, men direct and write women-led things all the time. I think this is just more like, this is such a, it's almost like a personal story for Brie Larson. Like, I know she didn't write it, but she really brought it to life. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the role was made for her. Mm-hmm. So, there, I, I don't know, there, it, like, there couldn't have been anybody else to do it. Like, I couldn't picture anybody else in Hollywood in that role. I'm thinking. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of peacocks out there who I would imagine make a great kit, but I feel it's just a great combination of her directing it and her also starring in it. Yeah. Which the magical IMDb trivia page tells us that she didn't really want to both direct and star in it, but the writer convinced her otherwise. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's it would be quite hard to both direct and star in something. But I'm not an actress. I are an actor. I have like no connections to acting. But I just feel like it would be a tricky situation. I feel there is always some sort of bias if you're already also the director and then the actor or the actress in the movie. So nobody can tell you how to do it properly, you know? <laughs> Even if you are not at your best in that moment... There is still no, re- not really someone who can critique you for your performance. So that I find a bit tricky sometimes, I think. I can- yes, I, I agree with that. But I also think that you're, you might be extra hard on yourself. Like, especially, I feel like, obviously, I don't know Brie Larson as a person, but I like to think that we're best friends. And, and I feel like she would be super hard on herself. Like, if she's running a line, running a scene, and she's like, no, 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 cut that. I didn't like that take it from the top like because I don't know why but I get this perfectionist vibe out of her not like in the like totally pedantic over the top way but just like she she wants to run this until it's perfect I totally agree with you there and I do feel like I mean 90% of the people in the world are judge themselves harder than someone else would but I still feel and I agree with that I think that she would be she would want it to be great and would want to make it better and make a great performance. But sometimes I feel if you don't have a second opinion on something, then things could be lost that often in the discourse with someone, you could improve a lot more and there is no discourse between you and yourself in that. That's why I feel that could be a bit problematic sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I do agree that she probably wants to make an even better job and it probably puts more pressure on you because you're the director and you're also starring in it so you have to do an a specifically great performance considering you have both of those roles so and I think as she did the great job I cannot deny even though it's probably not my favorite most favorite movie in the world but it was still a pretty good movie <laughs> yeah I know we touched on it last week when we were talking about Unicorn Store and just at the beginning that our first impressions kind of thing. But I'd like to just reiterate that I loved everything about this film. And I know that Monica didn't, that Monica was maybe like, I don't know, she never did tell me what her rating was, but I would say she's probably around like a five or six out of 10, whereas I was firmly a nine. Like I could be tempted to a 10, but I'm very picky about giving up my 10. So I'm very firmly a nine. And I thought that it was great, everything about it. So let's just like summarize the plot real quick for the listeners in case they want to watch it as well. So basically it's about uh, an artist and Brie Larson is the artist. She's Kit and she tries to make it in the art world, but that doesn't go as planned. So she has to come back home to stay with her parents and she has to get a proper job. Uh, proper with uh, air quotes please (laughs) (laughs) so 
She goes to her new job and then gets a few hints um, and invitations that are all very mysterious. Um, and then she finds the store. And in that store is the store manager, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. And he tells her that she can have a unicorn, but she needs to do a few things in order for her to get the unicorn. And yeah, throughout the movie, she basically tries to then get it. Yeah. Is that too much information? No. No, I don't think so. But I think everything I think we would say now is too much information. <laughs> yeah, pretty much from this point on, if you haven't seen Unicorn Store and you don't want to be spoiled, I'd probably back out now because I'm about to fangirl all over the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you get this picture of this colorful artist who wears rainbows and she's got like glitter everywhere. She's streamers and sunshine and fantasticness. And she gets kicked out of art school because... What was the what was the art school teacher? He was famous for taking pictures of like rods in in bowls or something, wasn't it? It was so random, like so mundane and obviously poking fun at this like really strange modern art, but also, you know, making the point that really strange modern art gets famous sometimes. And she was too colorful for this like gray and black and white world. And gets kicked out of art school. Like, who gets kicked out of art school when you're a, an artist? I don't understand it. But she moves back home with her parents who are all, oh, you need to get a proper job. So she goes into this totally depressive state and ends up temping at a vacuum company <laughs> of all places. Gets in there with the vice president of the company, who's like super close, super awkward, super weird and super intense with her. And Until that point, I'm still not sure if he actually sexually harassed her. I, I don't, I actually don't know either. I don't think so. I feel it, I don't know. I couldn't say if he was just, I mean, but basically us wondering is basically a sign that he did it. I don't know. I don't think, I think he overstepped some boundaries, but I think it was more like social boundaries as opposed to sexual boundaries. Like yeah. he was, if if you looked at the creep factor... And okay. like the all all the signs of what a creep is, he is definitely taking the creepy signs, like standing too close, being like overly familiar really quickly. Like there was definitely some creepiness, but I don't think, for me personally, anyways, I don't think it went into sexual assault or sexual harassment. Yeah, probably. He probably has just no knowledge, no proper knowledge of how to be social with people in a proper manner. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, now she works in the vacuum cleaner company in her cubicle. Yep. Totes boring cubicle life for somebody who's bursting with color and ideas. Mm. And that's when the letters come in. Yes, the letter is inviting her to the store. And these letters are perfect for her. They're colorful. They've got glitter on them. They're intriguing and mysterious and really making her want to go and explore the store. So she does. And... Yeah, there she meets Samuel L. Jackson, all in very bright colors, which is also very hilarious, you have to, I have to say. Yeah. And he tells her that she can get a unicorn, but she has to fulfill a certain amount of tasks. So for one, she needs to have proper housing for the unicorn, because, I mean, it's smaller than a horse, but bigger than a pony. And, and so she needs to get room for it. Yeah, so this is where she meets Virgil. A very helpful cleaning attendant at the hardware store. But I, I should say maybe reluctantly helpful. She just got referred to him by the actual person who worked in the store because obviously she can't keep a secret. And she told uh, the, the guy in the store that she wants to build a stable for her unicorn. And obviously that dude then thought she doesn't have her marbles, marbles together and sent her to Virgil, who just cleans there usually. Yeah. And the two of them basically got friends and she somehow managed to persuade him to build a stable for her. But he doesn't know it's for a unicorn. He just knows that it's for a horse of some kind. That's true. True. And they build it in her garden or they try to build it in the basement where she stays when she's staying with her parents. And he points out that, don't you think a, a horse would want to live outside? And she's like, oh, that's... 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so once she settled the housing situation, she goes back to the store and the store manager tells her she needs to proper feed the unicorn as well. So that's when she and Virgil go on a little road trip to find hay for the unicorn. <laughs> and she stays up all night dyeing her hay, like in bright pinks and blues and greens with this special like unicorn food dye to make it taste like glitters and rainbows and hopes and dreams I guess <laughs> <laughs> during that time she so basically what she does is she goes to work um, during the day and then during after work and during the night she prepares for the unicorn arrival of, of some sort and the office job is obviously very grey and very boring but somehow her boss there i forgot his name again you mentioned him already the creepster uh, the creepster called gary 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 then kind of offers her some sort of promotion for the because they are working on the marketing strategy of the vacuum cleaners and since she's an artist they agree that she will come up with a new marketing strategy with her art with her drawing artsy skills that will then be presented to the company Yeah, so she like said that she was drawing vacuum Pokemon, kind of. <laughs> and it made me laugh because, you know, Pokemon references are funny. <laughs> <laughs> so she heads back to the store after she's made all this unicorn hay and gets told that she needs to make sure that there's like no discomfort or hatred or like unhappy feelings in her life, especially like happy relationships with her parents. And this is where the problems come in. For her, because she and her parents don't really see eye to eye on life. They're kind of in that whole black and white, straight and narrow, lovey, everything is perfect world. But don't see her, their rainbow and unicorn loving daughter as succeeding in life, I guess you could say. I have opinions, but I'm not sure if I want to throw them out already. <laughs> I think we can. I think like we can <laughs> veer off from this synopsis. Oh, okay. Yeah, you say, I feel, so the mu the movie is pretty much from her perspective, right? So she's the main actress, so you mostly see her in how she perceives the world. And I feel, now you, you mentioned it, that they they always criticize her for how she behaves in life and how that's not how they would like her to lead her life. But I feel that they are misunderstood there because... I think that's their way of showing how they care about her. I think she doesn't give them as enough credit as well. Because I think she doesn't open up to them really. Never during the movie really. They're always more on the sidelines and they're she's always annoyed by them and and she doesn't tell them how she's suffering really or how she really feels. So so all she hears is get a proper job. You, you cannot do the art thing. You, 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 you're too shiny. You're too extra. You're too special. But I don't think that that's what they ever said or that's any, that's not what they meant. Okay. I totally see what you're saying. And I do agree that there was a lack of communication between them. However, it would be really hard to open up and talk to your parents, but the processes and the, the experiences that you're having in, in your life And how like depressing it is to get kicked out of your dream art school when you're being compared, like very strongly compared to the weird neighbor from down the street who they've just hired. And like, why can't you be more like Kevin? Like, it's not nice to be asked that, like, why can't you be more like Kevin when Kevin is not the kind of person that you want to be and like it's never nice anyways like even if you did strive to be more like kevin it's not nice to be like oh why aren't you as good as kevin like it's not nice to have your parents compare you to somebody else i don't recall it that did they say that like that pretty much yeah when they had kevin over for dinner <laughs> and even when they went camping and whitewater rafting and like Kevin was opening up and sharing in the share circle. And like just before she got in the big fight with her parents, she said 
or they said to her, like, look at Kevin, he's opening up. Why can't you open up? And it's like, well, just stop comparing me to Kevin. I'm not Kevin. I hear what you're saying. And I feel that's a get. So she obviously, she, I assume that she was not around them before she had to come back home. So that's my my number my first assumption when she was in art school she didn't live in the basement at home because that's also the reason why she was so depressed that she had to come back home and live in her 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 like childhood room again and and well work. no it wasn't no, even not, her childhood room, yeah. monica because their, her parents turned her bedroom into a gym which to be fair if you move out they can do with their house whatever the fuck they want so it's well, not yeah but <laughs> so you it's know not that they're like disbandoning her uh because they make something out of their uh, out of her room it's just that she had she had something that happened to her and then she had to come back home but unfortunately that was a gym now but that's not something against her and i feel if they wouldn't have thought she would have the balls and the guts and the skills to do to pull through with whatever she was doing so going to art school they wouldn't have made a gym out of her room so that's basically they would have thought she would stay there and it's different it's difficult to judge whatever happens in relationship when you are not there so they probably they were probably sad that she left. I don't know why I'm taking a stance for this parent so hard at the moment. But <laughs> yeah, you're really like on the parent side here, and it's like scary. You're old. Yeah, like, maybe. When did you become a mom, Monica? N- not at all. But <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I'm not over the moon with this movie is because so maybe that's the reason why I'm defending the parent so hard. Because I feel that this, you said they see everything in black and white, and but I feel the movie painted it black and super colorful. So that were the two extremes there. There was nothing in between. So it was either you're a gray mouse, um, you're super boring, you have nothing to do, you're very like no, you, no, you have nothing to do. You, you're super boring. You, you're you're unspecial, so hard. That it's boring. Even she started to dress super boring. Everybody else dressed ridiculously boring. And I also feel that this the comparison in the art school was so ex so 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 on two sides of uh, so extreme on the other side. Um, and she, on the other hand, was so extra. So she was super rainbow, super glitter, super colorful, colorful, and everything else was just black. And that was the bad thing. So that was all painted as something that's horrible and that's boring and that's nothing you want to be. And and that I, f- I find that sad because that's sad. I think it was making the point between like, embracing all the amazing things that life can offer and all the extras and wonderful differences as opposed to being bland and vanilla and boring and but all that the basically same. means in the end that bland and vanilla and boring is shit and only amazing is when you're colorful and um, colorful and, and extra and special and i feel that's a very sad message no i think it's a good message it's like what is extra and amazing and awesome to you might not be extra and amazing to awesome to somebody else, even if you see what their awesome is, is like maybe a bit bland or boring or vanilla. But it's to appreciate and celebrate the awesome that you have in your life and to go out and seek it and to embrace your weird and to find your weird and to enjoy and express your weird and to express yourself and whatever that means. And if that's to be boring, well, that's a little sad for you, but I get it. Like some people are just a little bit boring. I hear what you're saying, like, and I totally under like I, I sign on what you're saying there. That embrace your weird and do whatever makes you happy. And if that's having glitter under your under your feet for twenty, like for your entire day, and wear all the colorful clothes, then that's how it is. But I find it pretty rough to paint a picture that, on the other hand, says that I'm extra. That makes me special, and everybody else is well can go shit basically. Like I never got that from the from the film. Like the the conclusion of the film didn't say like 
just because you don't appreciate rainbows and awesomeness means that you're shit. Like, I didn't get that impression at all. It wasn't my takeaway. It For me, it was something that was not the intention of the movie. Like, the intention of the movie was showing um, if you're colorful and if you're super extra, then totally embrace everything that you're doing and, 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 and embrace all the magic and all the awesomeness in your life. Yes, that was the intention of the movie. But by making everything else so specifically anti and so specifically on the other side of that scale made it, for me, something that was so undercurrent. What was an undercurrent thing that because nothing about any of this she did she only appreciated her parents when her parents appreciated her when her mother sat down with her and told her I only want you to be happy and I think that was the same that was always her in t- intention that she was happy but that by trying so hard and I think that was their way and that's why I was defending them so hard that was their way of trying to find a way for her because they saw that she's suffering because well, I think a lot of people see when others are suffering, especially when it's your kid, you know that something is wrong, even though you don't understand what exactly what is wrong, but you know that there are they have issues and there is something that they deal with. And I think they by always fighting against them, it was it was always a, a fight against what's already there. And that's why I totally get the the main part of the story is and the main Message of the story is embrace your weirdness no matter how 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 extra it is. And I totally, that's why I like the movie because I think that's a message that needs to be heard and needs to be spread. But I feel the movie could have been a little less anti towards things that are, not everything is in life is super colorful and extra. Not everyone is, but I feel that everyone has something that they could embrace, even though they are not that extra. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like, like there was a lot in the movie, obviously, that, okay, maybe had undertones where being black and white and boring and mundane is boring and mundane. But I also, like, you made the point about how Kit didn't really connect with her her parents until... Like her mom sat down and said, you know, I just want, I just want you to be happy. But that's not the impression that her parents were giving her throughout the rest of the film. They were giving her the impression that she needs to change who she is in order to fit into their, her, their idea of who she should be. And if that's what you're being told, you're not going to get on very well with somebody and you're not going to like appreciate somebody telling you that in order for them to love you, you need to change to fit into their worldview of who you are. I am not sure if that's what I 100% took away from that thing. I mean, yes, when you feel like you're constantly compared and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure if that ever really happened or if that was something that was happening in her head because that guy was there. And that's what triggered her 17-year-old 14 year old in herself of saying I'm not good enough like you want me to be like him or you want me to be like you whereas they did they ever say that I think we're having a bit of like Harry Potter syndrome here where we're getting the the entire viewpoint from the narrator's point of view from the first person point of view so like throughout Harry Potter we got everything from his perspective like was Draco Malfoy that much of a jackass to him the entire time like (laughs) well yes was Snape that much of a jackass to him the entire time yes but you know we're getting it from his point of view we're not seeing the other points of view and it's the same thing with Kit and Unicorn Store like we're getting all of this this is how she's interpreting it this is how this is coming across to her. And as the first person narrator, this is, and especially in a film, like this is what you're presented with. This is how you are seeing it as well, being the audience. I feel in the film though, there is at least some chance of seeing how the others react. Whereas in the book, there is no real way of saying how the others react because that's more in the brain context. Whereas you don't have that in the brain voice as much in a movie. Yeah, but if you're still seeing it from like the first person, you're seeing the way that she perceives them to act because this is yes. it's, it's like you okay, it might be third person camera view, but you're still seeing 
their reactions through the way that she is seeing them, like the her well her perception of it. Yeah, and that's why I think that they didn't even. I think that Kevin made the problem bigger than it was from the parents. Like I think by Kevin being weird and being super strange in his whatever way, it seemed as if they approved, but he was just a colleague who was with them. And he was an ex-schoolmate from her. So they brought him probably to make her feel more at home. But then it turned out that he's just an idiot. And yeah, they couldn't and have probably... seen that coming. No. <laughs> or could they? Or could they? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just tried to make her feel more at home by bringing him in. And then it turned out he's just a like oversharer. And they they worked with him so they knew him and they had a connection to him that they didn't have with her so but then maybe they tried to get a connection to her through him but then they noticed that that doesn't work yeah and i mean they both of them apparently are social workers and i feel that they they're not giving enough they they're not giving given enough credit in that case because i think they do want to talk and i think they would have wanted wanted to know more and i don't particularly think that they were intentionally put, make, putting her down but because the movie was also so black and colorful that's how it felt as if the world was against her and i don't think that the entire world was against her i think but i think that's what she saw yeah, and I think as well, like, you have to consider that she's just been kicked out of university and her head is probably all over the place. She doesn't really know what she wants herself. She knows that she wants to create art. And when you're in that position and people are trying to tell you, probably with the best intentions, like, this is what you should do with your life or what the heck are you doing with your life or where are you going to go now that you've been kicked out of university? Like, you've got a lot going through your head, right? Like, there's so much going on and it's a lot of pressure to all of a sudden have a, like, a, a backup plan, a, a, a game two, a, like a stage two, especially when you're being compared to Kevin up the street or judged because you're maybe sitting on the couch watching too much TV because you're a, maybe probably a bit depressed and lost and just not sure where you want to go. I don't disagree with you there. So I don't disagree that that's a tough situation that you're in that basically it wouldn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what happens in that situation, even if they would have been more, maybe they would have tried to sign her to a different art school. Well, then maybe she would be annoyed because how dare they, that was mine. That was not what I wanted. I wanted the other one. And how dare you make me go to a separate school? I, I get what you're saying. And I, I don't disagree in that regard that your life just went upside down for you and you don't know where to go. And that's put in a tough position and then everything is shit. I totally get that. But I still feel the movie could have spoken to more people I feel a lot of people struggle with something in their life where they don't feel that they fit in or that they don't feel that they are this or they don't feel that they are that and that's what makes them so different from the other people, blah, blah, blah. And I feel a lot of people have that problem. And that movie made it seem somehow as if normal is not okay. So normal is whatever it is because... Everybody else in that movie that was not Kit was too out of the picture, really. So they, they, they were somehow against her in a way. I feel the problem often lies in the everyday issues and not in, in the super extra issues. And I feel the when you're super extra and if you're super extra, then those are very specific problems that you also have in life. But it's the everyday troubles and the everyday lives that it that can make your life super miserable and that are always so hidden and that people don't see that I feel they need addressing and that's why I feel it's a bit sad that because the movie basically tells you embrace your weird embrace your your awesomeness whatever it is and it could have spread the same message for a broader audience if it wouldn't have been about them who are so normal and so boring and so blah and me and or her being so everything else 
Okay. No, I totally see what you're saying, but I think also that we're both maybe missing the point that the last task of the unicorn store was getting her to do, which was reconcile her differences with the people that she has differences with and to create a harmonious living space. And she, in in the end, after like a lot of disagreement and and not seeing eye to eye with not only her parents, but with Virgil as well, she reconciles everything. And not only is she loved for her differences, she loves her parents for their differences as well. And they all accept each other as they are and have filled this like this missing gap in the life of, you know, having to rely on the differences to drive them forward. And now they're comfortable with their differences and able to live in harmony, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it's at this point that she actually realizes that she doesn't need a unicorn to fill that space because she's filled that with love that she's made and accepted herself. So while a lot of the film was maybe focusing on the disharmony between, you know, the black and white and gray boring people and the extra life of Kit, at the end, everybody accepts everybody as they are. Everybody's feeling settled. Everybody is feeling the love and there's no holes to fill then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been spending most of this episode talking about like the major differences and, and, and the how the film was actually was about like the clash between them and how like you, you should be extra and not boring and mundane when actually like I think the the end of the film shows that like no just feel the love and, and if you are extra embrace your weird if you are like less less extra like that's embrace that as well and love each other for where they're at in their lives and and especially like when they're your family appreciate that you have them and appreciate that love and that's going to fill the spaces that's well said yeah i can thank sign you and that. goodbye yeah i think <laughs> but there's nothing else we can say now <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening see you next week bye <laughs> <laughs> um no but really like that's i think that's why i love the film so much because I would be, and like through most of my life, like I was kind of that extra person. Like, okay, I wasn't an artist. I wasn't like going out there and creating and building a space for unicorn, but I was rainbow. I still am rainbow, despite the fact that I'm wearing a really boring green shirt right now. Like I, I am rainbow. I am happiness. I am positivity. I am glitter, even though I don't use glitter anymore because it's bad for the environment. Like I am all of these things. But I never needed to seek out a unicorn because I had a family that I I loved, love, like it's present tense as well. <laughs> but like through my teenage years, they let me be this little bit extra person. They let me go to like uh, sea cadets while wearing cow pajama bottoms <laughs> and my dad's work coat because... Like they were like, you're totally weird. You might regret this in the future, but do it whatever you want. And like, I didn't have to look out and find that like unicorn to fill a gap in my life because there was a lot of love there and a lot of acceptance. And I think that that's really what the underlying message of this is saying, like fill your life with love and you don't need to find something outlandish and mythical, of course, and wonderful and beautiful because that's what unicorns are. I think I like them more when they're drawn. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. It, that's I, and then as, as I say, it's not that I hated the movie, even though it sounds as if I did. I just feel, I, or I just felt that it's an important message that everybody needs to hear, and that everybody needs to understand. I felt because of the extraness that I don't think that everybody's that it reaches everyone that should hear that. That was my main concern. Yeah, it's probably not going to be a movie for everyone, mm. um, especially for like men who hate Brie Larson for her comments and want to downvote it on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Well, trolls are Seriously, everywhere. What- on April 5th, when I went onto IMDb, it was like rated a 2 out of 10. And I was like, what the fuck? And it had so many reviews, just negative reviews. Anyways, it's up to 5.5 now. So we're getting there. Yay. 
Yay. No, it's it's not going to appeal to everyone, but I think it's going to appeal to a lot of people. And I think it's going to appeal to a lot of Gen Z, mm. like the current children, teenagers. I just had um, to think about this. I lost track what generation we're in now. Yeah, I th- I don't know if there's a new one, but Gen Z is the like current teenage one. years right now. And I, I do think it's going to appeal to a lot of them. Mm. Yeah. Because after all, they are the most open, the most trans, the most expressive, the most like for progress generation so far. I'm curious. I saw a lot of tweets happening, so mainly by girls, obviously, um, which is sad. But <laughs> um, great, but sad at the same time, because why can't people get over themselves, men, sometimes? Mm-hmm. But we've discussed Impossible. that on the last episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, do you have any uh, final thoughts you want to say about Unicorn Store? I don't hate the movie. (laughs) 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 Just so that we're clear. And I think you said the best parts already anyway. So it's about being loved and love, really. For who you are. For who you are. Not for who somebody wants you to be. Yeah. And accepting people as they are. Amen. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, happy dancer that was like the preach it thing yeah preach it yeah <laughs> the gospel preach it choir stuff yeah so yeah that's my takeaways like i love this film i think that everyone should watch it and with an open mind as well yeah and that if you need to go and look for a unicorn that that's okay but you might find that your unicorn's already in in your life and you just need to open your heart to let it in. The end. You have such nice enders recently. Thank you. I've been practicing. So so emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on our chat about Unicorn Store. And I would love if you let us know in comments somewhere on the internet what you thought about the film yourself. See you again next week. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studios. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.